a couple of quick things to review of, of just emphasizing why we're here. And that is uh, on your outline, there's kind of first uh, two things. There are two verses that are there. John 17, 19, where Jesus said, uh, for their sakes, and this is such an amazing prayer, for their sakes I sanctify myself, the holy, sinless Son of God, in some way. Uh, for their sakes I sanctify myself that they themselves may be sanctified in truth. Great statement. I picked it up from somebody decades ago. You teach what you know, you reproduce what you are. When it comes down to biblical counseling, I'll say it again, you teach what you know, whether it's up here teaching or you're in a conversation and you're sharing with somebody uh, or when you're counseling with somebody, you teach what you know, you reproduce what you are. The greatest need that you have in, in, in ministering in the Christian life, as a, as a believer, the greatest thing you need is not knowledge. The greatest thing that you need is holiness of life, okay? Um, and I say that, and that can, somebody can just get all, you know, bent out of shape because, you know, I, I'm, I'm really not a holy person. Well, holy is a, um, I think Steve has made this up, the statement for something about um, uh, the, 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 the issue is, is not clean. The, the issue is, is cleanliness. Uh, and maybe I, to illustrate that, if you went out and had something for lunch and, and it was full of onions and you're sitting next to somebody, they may not as be as much concern as the onions that you ate as much as the Crest toothpaste uh, that they hope you have used sometime uh, between now and then to clean your teeth and freshen your breath. In other words, you can, you can, you can, can sin, but it's a matter of repenting of your sin and confessing that to the Lord. And, and you've got to make sure you do that, and you've got to make sure that you go through the, uh, the right ways. You've got to come to God. You've got to confess, and you've got to repent. You've got to do it right. You, you, can, <laughs> you, can, you, you, can, you can try to brush your teeth, but you can do it wrong. And I know. Uh, 35 or so minutes ago, uh, I left my desk, and in my desk I have my toothbrush, and then I have... I have a tube of toothpaste. Well, there's some other tubes in there that I didn't notice that much about. So I go into the restroom. I open my toothbrush up, get a little water on it. I get this tube, and I start, and I went, that tube doesn't look right. It was triple antibiotic ointment. <laughs> and uh, I went, wow, that was really close. And I don't even know what that would uh, have done like. But anyway, I used the right stuff. So sanctification, being right with God, becoming more and more like Christ is absolutely, it is just absolutely essential. And the second thing, Isaiah 50 verse 4 says, uh, the, the prophet writes, uh, for you have given me the uh, tongue of a disciple 
that I might know how to sustain a weary one with a word. Um, I, I just say something about that. God has called us all to, to not only be disciples and people who follow him, but he's called us all to be disciple makers. It's not enough to be a disciple. And I think in, in, in the Baptist church and in the American church, we haven't learned that. I think we're starting to see some glimmers. But it's, you know, it's not enough. I, I can look at Don and Ed, and I could look at others, but I just see them back there. Somebody as well said, the gospel came to us on the way to somebody else. But the gospel is not just the, the whole issue of being saved and helping somebody, you know, to come to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. That's the beginning. That is the gospel. But there's more to it after that. It's helping them mature, but then even more, and I won't say even more, but then in the midst of that process, equipping people to multiply, to go out and to do the same thing. And the Lord has commanded us several times in his word to be fruitful and what? Multiply, multiply not add. And uh, addition, and especially in the world in which we live, in the culture in which we live, if the church keeps adding to itself, the church is going to be continue to go, I don't know if it's down and down, less and less, weaker and weaker. I don't know what the proper theological terms are, but uh, we won't be what he wants us to be. Uh, we are already not... Uh, that in some ways, and so we could go on to talk about that for a long way. Um, part of the whole essence of counseling, part of the whole essence of discipleship and making disciples is getting to the place to where you're just really willing to trust God and say, Lord, I don't really know if I know what I'm doing, but I feel like you have opened this door and I'm supposed to go through it, uh, whether that is being in a discipleship group, leading a discipleship group, or you are talking to someone. Because as we talk about counseling, in all probability, I served in biblical counseling for about six and a half years. People made appointments. They came in that you're not going to be in that place. In all probability, you're not going to have somebody calling you up and you know, saying you know, that you don't know coming over and do that. But you're going to have friends. You're going to have neighbors. You're going to have people in your life group. Uh, you're going to have people that you meet that uh, at a party, you, a, a, a relative, you know, at a Christmas something and another. And, and maybe it's them talking to you or they're saying, hey, I've got a friend. And, uh, you know, they're just, they're just struggling with depression and discouragement and fear and addictions. And I don't know, I don't know what to do. You go to that big church up there, what do y'all do? You're going to have issues. You're going to have opportunities like that. And um, I was talking to somebody, I don't know if it was one of you in here or whatever, that after the first night you, you said, well, I've always told folks I'm not a counselor, but I don't guess I can use that excuse anymore. Because um, Romans 15, 14 talks about, for I myself am convinced that you yourselves uh, are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and are able or competent to counsel one another. So again, this whole counseling thing, you know, is not academic and, 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 and all church-centered. 
as much as it is people, ministry, the people you work with, I can assure you, if you work in a place and there are 15 or 20 people there, and I, I can just, that, that, that's a real easy one, and you've been there for, you know, five, six years or whatever, if you are at all, and we all do it in a stumbling way, but if, if you are, are really trying to live for Jesus, there are people around you that look at you and know you're different and that you have something that they don't have, hope and joy and peace and, and different, you know, coming in drunk on Mondays and all kinds of stuff like that and yelling and screaming and they see how you live, that, uh, that you're different. If they've got a problem, if they've got a son who's got an addiction issue, if, if their husband, wife, if they themselves are, you know, in the midst of something, they don't know Steve Gaines. They've maybe never even heard of Steve Gaines. They may still think Adrian Rogers is the pastor here or whatever, but they know you. And so they're going to come to you. I've got so-and-so that's struggling with, uh, with such and such. You ever have, do they ever preach about that stuff at your church uh, or whatever? And so they're going to look to you for counsel. And so that's what a lot of this is about, but especially in life groups too. That's just huge, huge, huge in life groups. So how do you deal with that? The, the, the verse goes on, Isaiah 50 verse 4 says, He awakens me morning by morning to listen as a, as a disciple. I sent a thing out to you. I emailed something to you. Uh, I think it was yesterday. And this was one, I think this was today. Is this uh, today? Yeah, this is uh, the one that, uh, that I, I did today. I do my my Bible reading and my notes on. Uh, I use I started using my iPad or my computer in 2013. I use a Bible software program. It's called Logos L O G O S. Uh, they have a free app if you say I like computers or whatever another. Or, you know I, I'd like to do that um, to where that that works for me. That may not at all work for you, and that's fine. But when, when the Bible says that he awakens me morning by morning to listen as a disciple, um, the, the thing that that means to us is that we need to hear from God as we are reading his word. Uh, I hope, uh, I trust, I pray, and as I look around this room, I think there's a large majority, maybe everybody, that gets up and and you read your Bible, uh, but it's hearing from God. And it's saying, okay, Lord, now, I told you this before, and if Steve were here, I'd say it, and he'd probably want to correct me. But anyway, uh, I, don't, I, don't try to do, I don't try to read through the whole one-year Bible, uh, the Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs. Uh, I did that for years and years and years and years, and I got just focus on, okay, I got to keep reading. I can't stop here. You know, I still got the New Testament and Psalms and Proverbs uh, to, to go to. I just read until the Lord starts speaking to me. Um, and then I just dig down there 
uh, not as much from an academic point of view, looking up words and that kind of stuff. Some, sometimes I do that, but not much and, and whatever. I just want to hear from God. Um, and as God speaks, it's going to put me in a place to where I can share with other people like was the one today or was it yesterday? No, the one yesterday was about Pharaoh wanting the frogs gone tomorrow. Uh, I've used that many, many times just in counseling with people. Say, you know, when do you want to deal with this? Pharaoh wanted it tomorrow. You want to put off dealing with this, experiencing God, goodness, forgiveness, and whatever, or do you want to deal with it today? Uh, that's just one thing of, of many. Uh, and then sometimes, you know what I did, uh, this one is one from tomorrow's reading. I just happened to, to look there. It was just something real short. Uh, sometimes, and of course, on, on this one on the front page, there were like three different uh, years. Uh, uh, July 31st, 1819, and 23. I just am, am able to add to that. Uh, this one over here was just a little note that I made uh, in my Bible. However you do it, however, I'm not trying to get you to do it like me, but I am trying to encourage you to read your Bible and to stop and to say, Lord, speak to me and speak to me in such a way, God, that as I get up and leave and take a shower, go to work or whatever another, that I can share with somebody, this is what God said to me this morning. So, uh, the most important thing I think you can do, getting in the Word, hearing from God, spending time in prayer, asking God to work in your heart. Because what we want to offer people, again, you teach what you know, you reproduce what you are. And if you've got all kinds of just good stuff, maybe you've read it, heard it, Dr. Rogers said it, Steve said it, whatever, you got it from a podcast and you're repeating it to people, but it's not real in your heart, then it's sterile. It doesn't come across in a life-giving way. So, any questions about that before we move on? Oh, when I say questions, I mean it, but y'all don't take me up on it. But anyway, okay, let's... Um, all right, uh, we start with, and I didn't fill this blank in last week. I don't know why I forgot it. Uh, biblical counseling begins. It's like on page two or three. Where is it? What page is that? Page two. Biblical counseling begins with the gospel. Um, Steve will often say, if you've ever been here for Bellevue Loves Memphis, before we go out uh, to work around the city. He said, hey, look for opportunities to share Jesus, okay? Now, we're out here, and we're working, and we're raking leaves, and we're doing all this kind of stuff, but we're not just trying to make Memphis a better place to go to hell from. I don't know if that's good grammar or I said that right, but you know what I'm saying. Um, we're not just rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. The gospel, counseling begins with the gospel. Uh, if we just help somebody solve a problem, but we don't help them to come to Jesus. You know, God may have somebody, 
you know, that he's just working in their lives. We saw in the whole thing in Proverbs chapter uh, 1, verse 30 or so, where God is just saying, hey, you know, if you want to get out here and just act like an idiot and, you know, you don't pay any attention to what I say, you got bad stuff coming and you need to know that. Uh, and so God's working in people's lives and marriages falling apart and this kind of stuff and people come to you. The main thing is not... The, the, the main thing is not to solve their problem. Now, I'm not saying it's not important, and that's not part of what you do, but, you know, the big picture up here is, do they know Jesus? And if not, I want to lead them to a saving knowledge of Christ. And if they do know Jesus, then I want to help them uh, experience him the way that he wants them to. Somebody said wisdom is the ability to see the relationship between the problems of life and the principles of Scripture that have been violated. Wisdom is being able to see the relationship between the problems of life and the principles of Scripture that have been violated. So, um, you know, you're trying to deal with that. It is a hard thing, um, say a hard thing, I don't know if that's the best word, but um, if somebody is talking to you, you've got your next door neighbor, and you're standing at the fence, and um, he's just telling you, uh, you know, my marriage is just, um, you know, I think my wife and I are probably going to get a divorce, I mean, we just uh, despise one another, and and uh, we yell and scream at one another all the time. And, you know, maybe he's just, he's shedding tears and he pounding the fence because he's just so mad and upset and frustrated. I mean, just emotionally just wrought up. It's, it's tough just to take a four spiritual laws out and say, you need to read this. Okay, um, I'm just saying it's, I'm not saying you don't do that. I'm not saying you don't share the four spiritual laws in, in any shape, form, or fashion. An illustration of what I'm talking about with is, uh, uh, talking about is Jesus with the woman at the well, uh, John chapter 4. Uh, he comes up and, you know, sends the disciples away. They get something to eat. And he says, woman, would you give me something to drink? And he, he works through some stuff with her. There's a, you know, a conversation kind of about her and her culture and, uh, you know, her, her living situation. He, he, he deals, he connects with her uh, and then basically shares that, that I am the Messiah and, and I am the answer to your prayers. Uh, he shares the living gospel. But there was a process. Now, I shared last week how I have done that probably hundreds of times. Uh, I, don't, I think most of you were here. If you weren't here, let me know after class. I'll tell it to you. It takes about five minutes or so to walk through. It's a whole thing about the Home Depot and the person with a crack in the wall and, and me telling them basically... You know, as I look at this to try to help you, I, I'm wondering if the issue is really 
not the wall, but the foundation. And I know you didn't come in, you didn't bring me here to your house, those of you who remember the illustration, you know, to talk about the foundation, but if that's the problem, if we don't, if we don't address that, then we, we're just wasting our time and we're wasting, uh, you know, our effort talking about this. And so can I talk to you about how to have about making sure that you're building on a solid foundation. I mean, Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, and that's a familiar thing to people, you know, that uh, two people, one built their house on the sand and the storms came, and another person built their house on the rock. Uh, and when the storms came, uh, uh, the, the house was not swept away. And, and sir, we're, we're talking about your marriage and things, and so you're in the midst of a storm. Can I, can I talk to you just a, a minute about how to make sure that you have a solid foundation? In all my years of biblical counseling, I had one person. I've had hundreds who said yes. I had one person who told me no. She said, what did you do? I don't remember, but I remember there was one. This is how I do it. You don't have to do it this way. This is how I do it. So I said, well, let me, uh, let me share with you my story. I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, uh, my mom took me to church. Did I tell you this? Or you've heard my testimony. Uh, again, I'll try to make it real quick. Uh, uh, my mom took me to church all the time. I had a drug problem. My mom drugged me to church. You've been in church. You've heard it a thousand times. People who haven't been in church will laugh at that. Um, drug problem. <laughs> um, and it's not about being funny. It's just connecting. Staying connected to people, so it's not you're giving them a lecture, but you're just talking with them. And uh, you said, see, yeah, my, it wasn't too bad. I sat on the back row, tried to stay out of trouble. Uh, if, uh, if they have enough time, I'll tell them a couple of funny stories about uh, growing up in church and what that's like, just real quick, trying to keep the conversation going. And uh, graduated from high school, came down to the University of Memphis, 200 miles from home, 2 million miles from God. Last place I thought about going was church. Free country, if you want to be bored on a Sunday morning, then uh, <laughs> you go ahead and do it. But I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt, and so I wasn't interested. And so I got out and I did my thing. Uh, and I was drinking and partying and just living really a, an ungodly life. I was doing everything I ever, always thought would make me happy. After about two and a half, three years of it, I was just at a place of total emptiness, because I'd done everything I ever wanted to do, but I'm empty. Um, and I tell people, I said, I, as I'm talking to people, I said, I can remember wondering if I have some type of a mental problem, because why do I feel like this? Why, in the midst of friends and a fraternity and all this stuff, why do I feel so empty? I had a fraternity brother. I saw his life change uh, he started inviting me to go to church. He stopped drinking and partying, uh, stopped smoking dope. And, uh, but the weird thing was he was smiling uh, now, which I didn't understand. Invited me to go to church. I didn't want to go. He told me they had free coffee and donuts and some of the prettiest girls I've ever seen in my entire life. I wasn't very spiritual, but I wasn't stupid. Free food, pretty girls. I can do that. And um, went to a church, and I heard people, and I heard a preacher guy named Bobby Moore, for, for you who might know Bobby Moore, Brother Bobby at Broadway, as he opened the Bible. I never heard anybody preach like that. 
And I saw people, and it's like they knew God. They didn't just know about him. They knew him. They loved me, and it was just all so amazing. I was a lifeguard at Lakeland Beach. Uh, Y'all know that. uh, Is that uh, where it is? And uh, uh, 1976, so on a Thursday night in July, 1976, driving home down the road, probably going way too fast, about the place where Bellevue Baptist Church is now, it was just all woods then, flying down the road, and all of a sudden I realized, I didn't have a vision, I didn't hear a voice, but it's just kind of like the lights came on, that I realized there is a God in heaven who's holy, and I know I'm not. And that's the first time it had really dawned upon me, I have sinned, I'm not a holy person, God is holy, I'm not. I don't know if I'd go to heaven. And uh, my life is empty. I, I have no joy. I have no peace. I asked my friend who's been inviting me and taking me to church, how do you get right with, how do you get peace with God? And he shared with me the simplest message, and that is that we have all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. If me and you and everybody in Memphis, Tennessee lines up on the edge of the Grand Canyon and is forced to jump across, I tell people all the time, you're going to out-jump me. I got two artificial hips. You know, I'm, I'm happy to walk. Uh, but it doesn't matter because all of us, nobody's going to make it to the other side. We all fall short of how uh, God wants us to live. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. All kinds of people, they get out doing things now. The world laughs at sin. Uh, people even do bad stuff and take videos of it. But... Almost all those people, boy, when they're standing before the judge after they've been caught, they're not laughing because they realize that I have been caught and I've been found guilty, and this is bad. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I'll say a couple other things about that. And then the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And on a Thursday night in July 1976, I went home, got on my knees, called on the Lord, was saved, et cetera, et cetera. I won't, you may have heard me. You, you know that. And then I'll say, have you ever made a commitment like that to Christ? And, you know, they say, yes. I say, well, tell me about that. Uh, most people, I mean, they know I either have made a commitment like that or I haven't made a commitment. And so just doing that, that simple gospel presentation led a whole bunch of people to the Lord. Now, I can't encourage you enough to have that gospel presentation down, okay? It needs to kind of come forth real easily, or if you're in the midst of counseling somebody, and it's a man or woman, and their world is falling apart, and there's tears and snot and everything, to wade into that if you're not even sure what am I going to say or what are those verses or or whatever, you probably won't do it, okay? Uh, just because when we get uptight, when we're, I, I don't know what to do here, you know, we, we have a tendency sometimes just to, to back off. So I can't encourage you enough I just shared basically those three verses, uh, to, and, and there's other ways to do it. But however you do it, you need to be prepared. That's the, 
biblical counseling begins with the gospel. So if you're not prepared to share that, then, um, you know, you are setting yourself up to miss the main thing that God wants to do in there. So uh, now I'll just give you one other tidbit, and then we'll, we'll move on. Um, sometimes when people say, you know, I, I, or if they're, if they're not sure, then I will ask them a question that said, are you married? And 99% of the people or more of the people that I've asked, are you married, know if they are or not. Well, I'm formally married. I was married. I'm not now or, or whatever. And then I will use that thing. I said, now, when I ask you if you're married, you knew. Or I'll ask, well, when did you get married? And where were you? And they'll tell me. You know, I got married here and there at church or whatever it was. And I said, being saved is a lot like getting married in that there is a point in time when you're married, you stand before pastor, justice of the peace, or whatever, and you make that commitment to one another. And in the same way, getting saved, there is a point in time that you turn from your sins, you turn to Christ, and you receive him as Lord and Savior. So you knew you were married. I mean, you told me all about that. And so has there been that time, that point in time, that you have repented of your sins and received Christ as Lord and Savior. Well, you put it like that, um, you know, no. Okay, I want to help you with that. So, any questions on that? Okay. Uh, Again, that's so unbelievably important. Have I stressed that's important, David? Okay, uh, so you may say, hey, Bill, I got that, so, uh, you know, let's go on to the next thing. Um, the essence of biblical counseling, I think that's the next slide, uh, is grasping the truth that God's Word is sufficient. A lot of this we have done, the, you know, I, think, I guess we're in our third week uh, but trying to continue to communicate to you that the, the thing is not uh, a psychological label. The thing is not, you know, something else out here. It is laying hold of the fact that God's Word, the verse that we had in this uh, study right here in 2 Peter 1, about verse 2 or 3, that God has given us everything necessary for life and godliness through the true knowledge, through the full knowledge uh, of his son, Jesus Christ. And so it comes down to the thing is, is that true or not? Has God really given us everything that we need for life to really live? to have a joyful marriage, to get over addictions, to get over the stuff in our life, to have meaningful relationships, to overcome fear and worry and guilt and and all that other stuff. Has, Has he really given us everything for life and godliness through the through the knowledge of his son or not? That's a hinge question. That is huge. 
And that's something that you will have to come to grips with if you haven't already. I had a, uh, when I served in biblical counseling, I had a person in leadership from another church. They called me up and they said they had a woman in her church who was full of pride, would not listen to rebuke, ignored her husband, who was the leader in the church, was flirtatious and dressed inappropriately. And then they said, we think the issue is that she is suffering from some long psychological term. I'm sorry, I chuckled on that. Uh, and told me what that term was. Um, and they said that she had met 18 of the 20 characteristics of this condition. And they said, what do we need to do? And I said, well, first of all, it sounds like somebody needs to witness to the lady. Uh, <laughs> I said, because it, it sounds like me, you know, the lifestyle that she is living and just who she is, that, that there is a strong possibility that the woman uh, is not saved. And then I asked about her husband, and they said she won't listen to him. And I said, and he allows that. Uh, I'll, he allows that, and I said, somebody needs to talk to him. And they said, yeah, but what about the condition? And I said, psychological labels are merely, next slide here, I think, psychological labels are merely a description of symptoms. Now, let that sink in. Psychological labels are merely a description of symptoms, normally speaking. Now, this gets a little bit, you know, and especially for, for some who, um, uh, you know, who, uh, who have had psychological training or uh, maybe have or are seeing a psychologist or different things like that or have had a, uh, uh, you have seen someone and they have said, this is who you are, this is what you have. I realize me saying that can be a little bit, nah, I don't know about that. Um, they normally do not address either the heart problem or the heart solution from a biblical point of view. Here's a thing called borderline personality disorder, um, which I've talked about, about that before. A persuasive pattern of demanding interpersonal relationships, unstable self-image, volatile emotions, and marked impulsiveness. These, these individuals demand suffocating intimacy in their relationships, and yet their hurtful behavior destroys those same relationships. The term borderline originates in an obsolete psychological theory that proposed that such people had a mental illness on the border between neurosis and psychosis. Now, if you're hearing all that, you're going, sorry, say that, say that again. Um, I, as, I, as, as I was talking to, and I've told you, I counseled a man who came in who said he had borderline personality disorder, and he basically described this kind of stuff to me and said, can you help me? I said, there's nothing in this whole label that addresses that from a, from a biblical perspective. 
There's nothing about sin. There's nothing about submission to God. There's nothing about the authority of God. There's nothing about the indwelling over Holy Spirit and on and on and on. Um, and I jumped in and we immediately kind of, you know, I said, okay, we need to, uh, you need to come to places, are you dealing with a sickness or a sin issue? Probably at this point in time, years down the road, I don't know if I would have gone there necessarily so quickly. Uh, we live and learn. Somebody comes in and tells me, or you're talking to someone, and they say, you know, I, my, my psychologist says I have so-and-so. Well, in all probability, you, you, you may not know what that is either. And so I would say, well, tell me what, what is your psychologist, or what do you understand that term to mean? And so not necessarily just to, you know, come up so strongly against psychologists, don't know what they're talking about, and all of this kind of stuff. I'm not going to go there. Um, I, I'm just going to kind of plow around that um, and talk about your relationship with God. I'm going to try to move that to, to that's not the issue. The issue is not borderline personality disorder. The issue is not whether you do or don't have that or whether that is, at this point in time, a reputable uh, issue. The issue is, tell me about your relationship with God. You know, are you saved? And, uh, and, and approaching that from a biblical point of view. I told these people when they, um, you know, they, they told me, you know, what do we do about this? Psychological labels are merely a description of, um, uh, of symptoms. I said, or if you want to hear it from the mouth of our pastor, dysfunctional is another word for sinful. So um, uh, anyway, uh, people have all kinds of dysfunctional things. Um, on your, on your uh, uh, outline, I love this next thing. Oh, this is just awesome. I love this quote uh, right here. There's a box, the truth of the box. Uh, in, the, in the box are all the, the stuff of life, all of the issues that we talk about, personal issues, anger, attitudes, words, depression, lust, pornography, cutting, relationship issues, anger, forgiveness, marriage, conversations, neighbors, life, jobs, everything that is in here that pertains to life and godliness and God speaks to every area of life. And I love the words by Abraham Kuyper, who said, There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry out, Mine. That's mine. That is an issue that relates to me. Your attitude, your relationships, your job, your marriage, fear, lust, worry, your past, your present, your future, all of that, Jesus says, that's under me. That is mine. That is an area that I want under my control. The issues in the box are the things over which we have 
control or responsibility. Um, there's a tension. I have no control over my marriage. In other words, my wife could leave me. She'd get in trouble with Steve Gaines, and her parents would be upset, and it would really throw a clog in Bellevue women. But uh, uh, anyway, my wife is Dana Street. She's over all of that. But I have no control. She could. She could do that. I don't have control over that. While I have no control over my marriage, I have total control in my marriage. I'm totally responsible before God for whether or not I obey him in my marriage. I have no control over it, but I have total control in it. And so somebody comes to you, and again, you know, being a, a communicating, how do I communicate all of this? That, that's, that's wisdom that God gives, but it's at least knowing where you're coming from. Uh, the whole area of responsibility. Let's look real quickly at four areas that we are responsible for. Believers are responsible for every thought. Um, 2 Corinthians uh, 10.5, I don't know if I have that verse up there, says that we are uh, destroying speculations and every lofty thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus. Now, we don't have time to camp out here. We'll probably come back, maybe look at it some more. But it is, it is realizing, somebody, I can't help what I think. Yes, you can. My thoughts just run away with me. Well, you've got to grab them and pull them back. It's helping people to realize that they have been commanded to take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus. Do you want me having this thought? Uh, yes or no. Spirit of God will let you know uh, as you ask him, as you're getting in the word of God. That is huge. We'll probably talk about that more um, later. If that thought is not pleasing to him, you know, I'm concerned, I'm, I'm burdened, I'm worried. I, you know, I want to go look at pornography. I want to go get drunk. I, 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 I want to whatever another. Say, is that a thought that Jesus wants you to have? Well, probably not. Well, you need to take that thought captive and you need to deal with it. Uh, second of all, believers are responsible for every word. Well, sometimes I just can't help what I say. Yes, you can. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they will give an accounting of it, accounting for it in the day of judgment, for by your words you'll be justified, by your words you'll be condemned. Believers are responsible for every action. Well, I can't help it. I just found myself. I just went to the bar. You know, I can't help going there. I just, I can't help watching what I watch on TV. When my wife says something, that to me, I can't help but, you know, explode. My boss, my neighbors, I can't help. It's helping. It's at least, they may not know it, and they may not buy into it immediately, but it is you knowing, how do I deal with this? I'm at a place to where I can't give in and them saying I have some psychological condition or whatever, whatever it may be uh, that, that gives me permission to do that. And then last of all, uh, believers are responsible for every motive. Uh, the, the action thing, we must all appear before the judgment seat of the Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body 
according to what he's done, whether good or bad. And last of all, believers are responsible for every motive. You know, you are responsible to have a good motive towards your husband, your wife, uh, on and on and on. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the things of darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts, and then shall each man have praise of God. Huge, 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 huge issues of responsibility. That's what we are called to give and called to hold people to. Questions. I've got something else to say, but anyway, I'll stop there. Questions about that. Okay. Uh, Yes? Yes. Right. Are you talking about where, where what we will give as a counselor or help people? Right. To help them understand yeah. really the real issue. Yeah. And 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 we live in a world to where, you know, just you want to do your own thing. And you know, it's because I just that's because I want to do. And it's in the church. Now, I want to share a thing that uh, I was did, gave counsel in. And I want to tell you at the beginning, this, is, this one is a little bit naughty, okay? K-N-O-T-T-Y. It's just a little bit. It's just, it's probably, it's maybe more than what you get into. But um, there's a couple that um, uh, were married seven or eight years, seven, eight, nine years, something like that. And um, when they got married, the wife did not know that the husband had a, a real issue with pornography, that he, was, he had a stronghold of pornography. And she did not know about it until maybe third year, something like that, found out looked on the computer, I can't remember how, whatever, found out about that, confronted him with it, he admitted it, he confessed it, uh, went and got counsel, and uh, the, the counselor and, and, and him, they, they dealt with it, and all was well with that. Um, three years later, the guy has been clean. The guy has not looked at pornography. Uh, he said that his wife agreed with him. He said, I, I believe, I, I genuinely believe he has not looked at anything in all the time that, that, uh, that he is telling us that. Um, he is a very good husband, um, a provider, those kind of things. We have almost no sexual intimacy. Almost none. And I know it is because his mind has just been warped by pornography. And so, therefore, I do not want to be married to him, and I'm going to get a divorce. And it's kind of like, what do you think? And I'm going, okay. Um, 
from a scriptural point of view, and this is where it may get a little naughty for somebody, uh, maybe several, whatever, um, you don't have scriptural grounds to get a divorce. Closest you can come to the reasons for divorce is uh, adultery uh, or the unbeliever leaves um, and that kind of thing. Those are, are the two paramount things. Uh, those are, anyway. Um, Say, so, well, the Bible says, if any man's looked upon a woman with lust in his heart, he's committed, he has committed adultery with her in his heart. I'm, I think I'm almost right on that. The, the issue is a heart thing. And I said, there's a difference between what you do in your heart and what you do outwardly. You may want to murder somebody. You may hate them, despise them, and plan ways that you could kill them, but you're not going to get arrested for murder because you have thought that in your heart. Uh, you can go through all kinds of different things. That's a sin before God. Yeah, all the stuff, you know, and the whole Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking about that. But your husband has not actually committed the physical act of, uh, and he said, and she said, I agree. Yeah, uh, he didn't want to have sex with me. He didn't, I don't think he wants to have sex with, with some other woman. Um, but I don't want to live like this anymore. I said, and he's there. And I said, how about we get him back involved in counseling? I don't care. I don't want to be married to him anymore. I have put up with this. And even though he has been clean for three years, and I totally believe that he has not been looking at pornography. It has already done the damage in his mind, and so therefore I'm getting a divorce. I'm going, you're fixing to run through a red light. God's got a red light here, and it's, it's not green, it's not yellow. Um, you don't have scriptural grounds for that. I said, I'm very, very sorry. I said, I can't I can I can't as a as a man I can't imagine all that you're going through as a woman et cetera et cetera et cetera. Um, talked to Steve, talked to Jamie. We were all in agreement that that's not scriptural grounds for it. She's as I talked to her several times. My friends say it is. I have friends at church that tell me it is. Um, I said. You know, our stance as a church, um, and talking to the pastor, talking to Jamie Fish, who was over biblical counseling, is it's not. It is painful, wretched, horrible, and on and on and on, reprehensible what he has done. But he's been clean for three years. Can we say there's some hope there because of that? And she said, I love him, but I refuse to be married to him anymore. And, um, and went and filed for divorce. Now, in all probability, you won't run across something like that. But the issue is to be able to tell people. And, you know, I told her, I am so sorry. I mean, I, I really, really was. That's, you know, what you are experiencing and what... We are asking you 
on the authority of God's word to believe is that God can change his heart and change his mind and, and these types of things. And in talking with him, that's another story. We'll get into that in, a, in, a, in, another, in another session, uh, another time. But uh, to, to say, God, I, I'm choosing to, to obey and I'm choosing to trust you uh, to change his heart. Um, it's that type of thing. Now, most of the things you do are probably not going to be that heavy, okay? Because that's really, really, really heavy. And you got this naughty thing up here with the Sermon on the Mount and trying to say it's, even though he looked at pornography and has looked at it for probably decades, um, there's a difference there. So that's what we are called to do. We are called to be responsible before God and to speak the truth in love, compassion, sensitivity. And sometimes uh, people choose not to. I could tell you other stories and will along the way where people choose. Say, I, boy, I don't know how, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust God in this situation. So, questions, comments, observations after all of that. Yes, sir. You didn't finish the summary at the bottom. Did you catch that? <laughs> In summary, Peter gives both the counselor and the counselee a biblical standard for dealing with the struggles of life. Thank you, Don. This is good. Uh, Well-meaning but erroneous people have sought to convince believers that a full biblical knowledge of God is not enough for the difficulties which often characterize modern life. Um, God denounces this perspective. He pronounces his ability to sustain, embolden, and give ability to the believer to overcome every struggle he encounters. God is sufficient. Is that it? I can remember telling this lady, I said, and this is where just your study of God's word just you know, God will bring things to mind. I said, there's a passage in Hebrews 6, and it talks about Sarah that says, Sarah, you know, I could quote it at times, Sarah, uh, received the ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life. I said, here is a woman who is probably decades past menopause, and God gave her the ability to conceive. And I said, God can do that in your husband's mind. He can change his mind. She said, I, I don't want it anymore. I don't want it. She said, I want out. So... Um, Yeah. A lot of times the society wants to see packing and you've got to hold it. And it is very difficult, but it really depends on it really depends on the strong foundation that you have in the Lord. Because when you have yeah. a strong foundation in the Lord, you'll put up with a lot of things. Yeah, but if you don't have that, it is no, so no, no, hard. No, 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 it is so hard, yeah. The root of some of it is. Yeah. Because now you're just dealing with flesh and you know, and that's yeah. 
And so part of what you have to do, too, is, is be very, very, very loving and caring. I mean, I, I sit here and say, I've said some hard things that I've said to, to her, uh, but boy, I mean, I, I can say before the Lord, um, I sought to say them with as much gentleness, compassion, and, and even anguish and saying, this is hard. This is so hard, the position you're in. I, you know, I, I understand. And while I can't grasp it all, I, I concur with you. And I'm so sorry that you are in it. I mean, as we counsel people, it's rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those that weep. It's not just standing here cold, eh, over here, let me look, you know, this is it. You can't do it. Uh, I mean, that's, that's not Jesus. So, uh, Don? Yeah, it's the best thing down the road, but uh, boy, it's really, really hard. Questions? You've made some comments. Any questions about how I handled that or um, said or... Would it be any different if he, if, he was, if he had fallen back into it? Like, I, I know people who that's their situation for a long time, and they, are, they keep falling back into it because my friend is getting Christian counsel, but it is okay. I don't believe, and I know again in talking with Jamie, that it is still God's best. Yeah. And, and that it's really, that it doesn't line up with Scripture. Uh, th and that's what it comes to. And, um, and that's, again, that's a hard one. Um, and, and I'll just be totally transparent and say, well, that's totally different than what you've said. Uh, for, for women, especially that have been, uh, you know, that are physically experiencing physical um, uh, abuse. Now, emotional abuse, I counsel people where the, the wife gives it, well, I've been in some situations where the wife has given it to the husband more than what he's given it to her as far as emotional, man. I've just seen that, but as far as physical abuse, would definitely encourage somebody to get out of the home, you know, and to get into a place where you're safe. Um, but from just that whole adultery type thing, um, from a scriptural point of view, I, I don't think that's scriptural grounds. Um, but again, that's one of those, that is extremely rare. Most of the things that you are going to be encounter. Um, you know, even though that may be, and that's one to where sometimes you have to, to ask somebody else. Um, but again, I think that is the extreme rare situation that you will encounter. So, um, next week we will get into, uh, one of my favorite verses and a verse that I used hundreds and hundreds of times uh, in biblical counseling, and that is Jeremiah 2.13, uh, which is just an awesome, awesome verse. It says, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and have hewn for themselves cisterns 
broken cisterns which cannot hold water. So uh, we'll look at that next week. So anyway, David Bennett, you sat uh, in, David sat in with me uh, for probably many years in biblical counseling um, and just kind of learned how do we do this. So uh, why don't you dismiss this in a word of prayer? Amen. And nobody threw anything at me. Did you ever figure out what it was? Uh, I did. What was it? Uh, it was, hey, hang on just half a second. I don't remember what we talked. What were we were talking about something? Yeah, that if somebody... Was it your question? I don't remember what the question was, but, but, but my answer... But well, if somebody decides and you tell them don't get a divorce, but they do it anyway, how do you, yeah, yeah, what do you do? Yeah, how do you yeah, respond? Yeah, how do you remain friends with them? Uh, it was something that, that a friend shared with me, and it wasn't over that. It was over something else that I was just asking somebody that I go to as a counselor. And, and he, I've noticed he always starts with, uh, you, you know, Jason, you know I love you, and with what I'm going to share with you, no matter what you do, Amen. And then, and then he's able to still, then he still shares the counsel. He said, "You can now. That's my counsel. You can use it how you how you wish." But I'm still here for you. Amen. Amen. That's a good word. That's a good word. I'm gonna love you. How whatever you do with what I tell you, I'm gonna love you either way.